welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper as we continue our series titled Entrusted, looking at the book of 2 Timothy. My name is Clayton Ryan, and this week we'll be discussing 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, with Tim Louth, one of our interns here at Wollongong Baptist Church. So Tim, how are you and Naomi doing? And what are you studying at Moore College this term? Mm. Yeah, hi Clayton. Hi everyone else. Um, Naomi and I are going well. We're yeah. Um, yeah, very richly provided for by God. He's been very kind uh, in, yeah, really... It's an inconvenience being locked down, mm. uh, having to do things online, that sort of thing. But I suppose ultimately we're, we're very well provided for. Um, you know, we've got a great loving church family. Our home is nice. It's a bit small, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's not to complain about. Yeah. Um, but no, we're, we're going really well. And yeah, just thinking about the end of the year and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this year at college, I'm doing six subjects. Six. Yeah, which wow. I've learned only a f- few weeks ago. That's the heaviest load at mm. all in all of my college studies is second semester of first year. Oh, okay. So that's fun to do that online. Um, but yeah, doing continuing on from last semester, so doing church history, Old Testament, doctrine, uh, uh, ministry and mission, and mm-hmm. Greek and Hebrew. So Excellent. A bit on this semester. <laughs> yeah, so sounds pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. All those subjects. Nothing. Are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of Greek and Hebrew to... Yeah. Yeah. End off the week. <laughs> now, before we begin discussing the chapter, before you started preparing uh, this sermon, so you can't cheat and use everything you've learned uh, in chapter three, but before you started preparing the sermon, what did you think the future would be like? I think, um, like I, I did touch on a little bit when I was speaking, is my vision had, I think, become quite short-sighted mm-hmm. and a bit, um, I suppose, insular, thinking yeah. about just myself and Naomi. Hmm. Um, maybe the future, looking to Christmas, I thought, hey, yeah, maybe we'll be able to go away for Christmas, enjoy time with family and yeah. have a bit more freedom. Um, and then, I don't know, the future, it'll be nice living in Australia. Hmm. It'll be, you know, COVID will be over, surely. <laughs> so we'll just go back to normal and it'll be fine. It's optimistic um, thinking. <laughs> yeah, it, it was actually <laughs> quite optimistic. Yeah. And if I'm honest, a lot of my thinking about the future was fueled by me loving myself and just thinking about what I wanted to do in mm. the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think you may not be alone. <laughs> in that. Yeah. Now, could you please give us a quick recap of your sermon from Sunday just to get our heads back into Second mm. Timothy chapter 3? Mm. Um, yeah. So the question that I wanted to ask and that I think Paul is giving us in this sec- section mm-hmm. is what will the future be like? Uh, Paul uses the phrase the last days, yep. which the Bible uses to talk about the time from Jesus' resurrection till his return. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of people have a apocalyptic, like zombies, <laughs> terrible, like yeah. fire and brimstone, the last days. But mm. really the last days is now. Yeah. You know, nothing particularly special about it compared to a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, but, it, but Paul's saying the future, the last days will, well, for him, talking about the future in the last days, which we're in now and looking forward to, um, will come times of difficulty uh, because people will love themselves. That's sort of mm-hmm. the first answer uh, from verse 2. 
uh, and then looking at uh, verse 5 to the end, I think, uh, or verse 6, uh, people will be opposed to the gospel. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of the two main reasons why the last days will be difficult. Yeah. So a bit of a reality check. Yeah. 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 Now, I know the headings in the Bible aren't scripture. They've been added as helpful, although not always helpful, prompts by the translators. But I was comparing the NIV with the ESV, and it was quite interesting that the NIV has as a block of text going from chapter 2, verse 14, through to verse uh, chapter 3, verse 9, and all under the heading dealing with false teachers, whereas the ESV had divided... The section, so chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, under the heading, A Worker Approved by God, and then chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, which you preached on, under the heading, Godlessness in the Last Days. And the divider here seems to be that, you know, tiny, tiny word that seems to often change the direction of a passage, the word, but. Now, obviously, Tim, you're an expert in Greek now. You're in your second semester at Moore College, so you know everything there is to know. Oh, yeah. So could you help us dig a little deeper into how the opening comments, but mark this, change the direction from chapter 2, verse 26, to chapter 3, verse 1? Mm. Uh, well, if anything, just an expert in being more confused in, <laughs> uh, with looking at uh, the original languages. Um, but no, it's really, really helpful, I think, uh, to highlight the little words, you know, mm. but, for, and, that sort of things. Yeah. Um, and I suppose one of the benefits of, you know, having your Bible open in front of you, for me personally, uh, I prefer a paper Bible because it's mm-hmm. easy to remember where things are on the page, whereas yeah. on a phone you're just sort of scrolling through, but yeah. that's personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I do when I'm preparing a sermon or Bible study or something like that is, you know, I'll take the passage that I'm preaching on and yeah. I'll print it off on a bit of paper with the uh, editor's inserted headings removed mm-hmm. uh, and paragraphs um, maybe left as is because that might be a bit more helpful. Yeah. Um, and thinking through, well, first I'll underline and highlight maybe repeated words or repeated themes to yeah. kind of see, you know, for example, what's Paul talking about? Like in this passage, love is repeated. Yeah. Um, ironically, it's a bad kind of love. <laughs> yeah. um, but then also looking at the the connecting or joining words to mm. sort of see how Paul's argument flows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you understand chapter 3, verse 1, but understand this, understand this is, or in the NIV is, but mark this. Mm. Um, I'm looking at the ESV at the moment. Um, it Like the word but changes something. It's not a this and this and this and this. Mm. It's still connected, but it seems to be a... Uh, it's a relationship that's different. Yeah. So here are these things happening in chapter two. Um, to Timothy, you should be doing this, you know, do your ministry, preach the word, um, flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, um, have nothing to do with these sorts of controversies and quarrels. Um, but understand this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it helps to kind of say, oh, hang on. Why is there a but there? Like what's, yeah. What's yeah. doing there? So that's a helpful way to understand what's going on beyond just these are what the words are saying. Yeah, that's really helpful. And maybe as a graphic, if we post this on Facebook, you might let us photocopy your <laughs> the page there. It's quite nice to see all the different highlights and 
markers. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit hard to read, actually, after a little while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there'll be some people who'll be like, you're writing in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in my Bible. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, having spent so much time in our Gripped series thinking of eternity, I remember when I was listening to this, I was a bit taken aback when your first answer to what the future will be like was people will love themselves. And why do you think Paul has gone from you know, chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, and hoping people will repent and be saved from the devil, to saying, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days? Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I think I touched on this a little bit, but mm. it's sort of, you know, here's Timothy, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And the end of chapter 2 sounds like, oh, great, you know. You preach the Bible, preach the gospel. They didn't mm. have the Bible then because it's not the Bible. Yeah. Um, but preach the gospel, uh, correct your opponents with gentleness, make sure that you're able to teach well. Mm. Uh, and God, who gives gifts of repentance, may grant them repentance, mm. that they would turn from their sin, turn to Jesus, that they would know the truth, uh, come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. And Timothy might read that and think, well, that's great i'll do that excellent that's a really you know it it shows the weightiness of what's going on with people being trapped by the devil um and god granting repentance which is a strong word yeah but it sounds like a pretty ideal kind of situation preach the gospel and people will repent exactly awesome i mean that's that's the main game that's what we want yeah um but i wonder if paul's in chapter two saying this is what you you need to do this is your job Mm. But then chapter three is, well, this is the world in which you'll be doing that. Yeah. You know, people aren't neutral, to put it in that sense. Yeah, yeah, people yeah, are yeah. opposed to the gospel. They're yeah. loving themselves instead of loving God. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a bit of a reality check, a wake-up mm. call. And yep. Paul's saying, but you need to understand this. You need to mark this. You know, the NIV yeah. says there'll be terrible times. ESV says times of difficulty. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah, seems to be saying your job is to preach the gospel, mm. and the hope is as you do that, God will grant people the spirit of repentance mm. and things. But the reality is, not everyone will be like that. Yeah, and actually, even in the church, there's going to be people mm. that are not like that. Yeah, in fact, if mm. anything, in the church is where the most danger is in one yeah. sense, um, because I suppose if people are deliberately and outwardly exposed, uh, sorry, opposed mm. to the gospel then you know who you're dealing with in one yeah. sense. But if yeah. you've got people who might pretend or have a veneer or a cover or an appearance, yeah. that's when it's, you know, be on your guard, Timothy, because this is what people are like. Yeah. Now, you helpfully painted the picture of what loving ourselves will look like, that it's not wrong to take care of yourself, you know, just to make sure physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm. um, you're doing okay. Um, but it's setting yourself on the throne, mm. uh, which is the problem. Why is this such a bad thing? I suppose the problem is who's meant to be on the throne mm. is God. Yeah. And you know, the Lord Jesus seated at his right hand, yeah. who is the ruler over all things. Um, and it's the story of the Bible, really, mm. ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, yeah. um, determined for themselves that they would eat the fruit in Genesis chapter 3 because, you know, Eve saw that it was good mm. as opposed to God seeing or creating the world and saying the world is good, but Eve determined for herself, yeah. well, no, this is what I want to be good. I want to be like God, to 
determine good and evil for myself. Yeah. And ever since then, every human being ever has desired to sit on the throne. Mm. Well, except for the Lord Jesus, who rightly should sit on the throne, but left it for our sake. Yeah. Um, and the reason why that's such a big deal, and I think we don't necessarily understand that as well as we could, uh, is because, well, A, our own love of self and our own sin blinds us mm. to how dark and terrible sin really is. Yeah. Um, it's like, for example, here's a weird example, but <laughs> when I'm cutting onions at home to cook mm-hmm. dinner, I really hate it. It makes my eyes sting and it's terrible. Mm. So I don't know why. We have a pair of safety glasses under the sink in the cupboard <laughs> and they're orange. So I yeah. put them on and my wife laughs at me. Yeah. But it actually helps not get onion in my eyes. Yeah. But then after a while, I just get used to seeing the world as orange. And I think, oh, I'm wearing safety glasses. What a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, still a weirdo anyway. <laughs> but, I, but I take them off and suddenly the world is like a harsh almost a blue color because I'm mm. so used to seeing everything as orange. Yeah. It's like when you look at your phone in the middle of the night, it blinds you. Yeah. And I think the fact that we see the world through our eyes mm. as part of our bodies that love ourselves, we don't notice how bad it is because we're just loving it all the time anyway. Yeah. But if God is holy, he's the one who created all things. Mm. He created us. He owns us. He loves us yeah. as well, certainly. But... When we reject God, when we take his good gifts, but we don't take him, Hmm. uh, that's we're rebelling against the king and ruler and creator of everything. Yeah. It's it's laughable if it wasn't so awful. Yeah. And it's also the throne. The throne's not vacant Mm. for us to choose to sit on it. The throne's, it's full. Mm. Like God is sitting in that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's actively in charge. And when we deliberately go out of our way in one sense, but it's our natural inclination anyway. Yeah. It's the, the natural leaning of the human heart is to want to rule. Yeah. Um, I mean, God created us to rule the world under him, but we decide to rule it apart from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm reading through Daniel at the moment up to chapter 7. Mm. And just this imagery you have of the Ancient of Days who is on the throne. It's just like... Man, if you could just have that vision in your head, mm. you would never think, yeah, that's a comfortable chair. I want that. <laughs> like this chair's got fire coming out of it. <laughs> yes. In like righteousness and judgment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think verse five um, is pretty easy to think about when it comes to prosperity preachers. And I've been listening to a few things about some of them coming out of the States today and it's obvious when you hear these guys teach, like, don't listen to these guys. That's really, really clear. These are false teachers. But how do you think we should approach this when it's within the local church? So not some mega church overseas mm. that's clearly, you know, off the rails, but within our own churches, not necessarily at WBC, but you might hear it um, in a local church setting. Say if there's a member of the church who's kind of sharing wrong doctrine or perhaps an up-and-coming leader that you may notice from time to time is just slightly off, mm. but they're gaining popularity. Like, what do you deal? What do you do with these situations? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really hard because sometimes, you know, like you're saying, if sometimes you hear people and you th- you straight away think that's so not true, that's mm. terrible. Don't listen to that. Mm. Uh, but sometimes it's a bit more slippery, 
And sometimes the truth isn't so clear as well. Mm. Um, we might hear things from the Bible that we go, hang on, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. But then I realize that, well, actually, I'm the one who's not right. The Bible's mm. true. Um, but I wonder if, you know, if you find yourself in a position either at a church or in a Bible study or whatever it is, uh, and you think, oh, actually, this person said X, Y, Z, whatever. I don't know if that's true. I think the best thing to do is to pray about it and just go and chat to them about it mm. and say, oh, I noticed you said this. Um, just wondering, like, where did, where did you get that from? Because I haven't heard that before. Mm. Or I've read this part of the Bible which says this. Just wondering what you think. Um, depending on your personality, it might be easier to just shy away from it completely or to yeah. come in all guns blazing. Yeah. And then you might realize, oh, actually, they're correct. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you are concerned about it, um, maybe chat to another trusted friend, chat to your pastor. Yep. Um, I suppose if, you know, if you're not going to WBC, if you're someone who's going to a different church or looking, you end up looking for a church somewhere um, and the preacher up the front is not preaching what the Bible says, mm. um, maybe repeatedly. Yeah. I think the best thing to do in that case is chat to the person again. Uh, and if it's something, well, no, I, you know, no, this is what we preach here. If you don't like it, well, you know, you're wrong. Yeah. I think sometimes, as hard as it is, sometimes you just have to leave. Mm. Um, now, I pray that's not the case here. Uh, yeah. I think the preaching here is very good quality and biblical and striving to handle God's, God's word rightly. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think, yeah, like when Jesus says, talking about discipline, which is not necessarily the same kind of vein, but, you know, you chat to that person one-on-one, if you think that they're in the wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the motivation for those things is love. Yeah. It's not just to win an argument or to prove yourself correct. Yeah. But you chat to them one-on-one and they might refuse to repent or correct themselves. Yeah. Then you might chat with someone else and they, if they think the same as you, then maybe both of you chat to them. Yeah. A bit of a, like an escalation of then chatting to the minister about it. And if, you know, if they're holding to wrong doctrine mm. and they're refusing to be corrected, then... You know, if they're in a position of teaching, they should be removed from a position of teaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's not pleasant, all no. those sorts of things. And I yeah. think we naturally would much prefer everyone to just kind of get along. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Paul's really serious about these sorts of things. He names names. Yes, he, yeah. He says to Timothy, stay away from them. Yeah. You know, later on in 2 Timothy, he talks about people who've abandoned him. Mm. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about handing someone who's done the wrong thing in the church over to the devil. Yeah. Which, you know, that's... Not the yeah, sort of language extreme, that's yeah. easy to yeah. hear. Um, yeah, but I suppose in, in all senses, in all circumstances, if you're holding firm to what the truth is in God's word and motivated by love, mm. which is the same thing because the truth should motivate us to love, yep. that's what's important. And sometimes love is um, coming in, like talking to someone and saying, I think actually you're wrong. Yeah. Because it's not loving to let someone live in error. Yeah. when it's got um, repercussions. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is the right. So the first bit sort of just a humility that you may not be the one who's right. Mm. Um, so go and have the chat mm. with the Bible open um, and see. But if you are convinced they are, maybe then that's the, as we looked at last week with the um, gentle, gently correcting. Mm. Let mm. me there and then see where it goes. But yeah. yeah, and I think too often it can fall into quarreling and ignorant arguments yeah. and just trying to prove that you're right and throwing yeah. in, oh, well, you know, the Greek word says this when you might not know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, 
But Clearly, they should come to, to you for any Greek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and correct me, please. Yeah. <laughs> now, verse 6 um, makes it seem amazing that such people would become leaders um, that will go on to deceive people. And the language they use is really quite confronting. Like, they worm their way into homes. They gain control mm. over gullible women. They're loaded down with all sorts of sin and evil desires. What do you think it says about us, and not just like us mm. listening, but like generically as Christians, that we can be so easily deceived by someone so sinful? Mm. I think the, I mean, really what it comes down to is, you know, verse two or verse one and two, in the last days, people will love themselves mm. and how easy it is for us to just give in to what we naturally find comfortable, yeah. which is to be told that, you know, if you just keep doing what you're doing, you'll be great. Mm. You know, don't need to change. That's, you know, God loves you just the way you are. So yeah. ignore all the commands about holiness and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, like even a mature Christian is not immune to um, believing the lies of the world, which, yeah. which is why I think we need to continually come back to God's word. Yep. Um, and even as well, like in verse 5, um, Paul says that uh, people will have a form of godliness or an appearance of godliness. Mm. So they might look from the outside to be godly. They might appear to have everything kind of all together. They might seem as if they're excellent teachers and they know the gospel, um, but denying its power. Mm. Uh, and I think in 2 Timothy, that power uh, has to do with suffering for the gospel uh, it's God's power that helps us to do that. Yeah. And I think, too, in this context, it seems like the power of God is what helps us to put sin to death. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it's the, you know, having the, the crown of righteousness but ignoring the cross of suffering yeah. of the Christian life. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I think the main thing is it's just easy to love hearing what you mm. want to hear. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's, you know, in one sense, a bit of a Sunday school answer, but the answer is always pray, read the Bible, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to church. Yeah, it's not, it's not complicated. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, at a fundamental level, if you read the Bible and know what it says, hmm. you know, you know the truth, submit yourself to God and yeah. the devil will flee from you. Yeah. But then at the same time, the devil, who's the father of lies, loves to twist what the Bible says yeah. or give a veneer of, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, God says, you know, you'll be saved from all bad things yeah it's like, well you know yeah and even if we don't know our bibles if when someone's preaching mm. we have our bibles open we may not necessarily understand it, the passage but if we see oh hang on they've stopped halfway through that verse mm. and the end doesn't seem to fit with what they're saying mm. we're able to spot that if we've got the bible open yeah i mean uh, on in one mm. level at one level there's nothing particularly special about the person who's preaching. You know, mm. they don't have any special knowledge or special authority yeah. to say whatever they declare is therefore true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even if you don't really understand what's going on, mm. hold them accountable yeah. and think, well, hang on, as preacher, your job is to help me understand what this says. Yeah. And all I've done is just understood what you've said, but I'm still in the dark with this passage. Yeah. Like you're, yeah, you should follow what they're saying if it's in line with what the Bible says. Yeah. I've been watching some sort of critiques of a couple of prosperity preachers um, coming out of the US 
recently, and in one of them, you just see there's barely a sermon goes by where he goes, you know, it says in God's word, and then he's kind of like fumbling through his Bible. It's, no, what's that passage? What's that? Oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And then he just quotes it. But then mm. when you actually look at it, it's like he hasn't fully quoted, like he stopped at a key point or he's mm. changed a word or added a word in. And really subtly, he's changed God's word to fit mm. the messages. And the people just lap it up. Yeah. It does, it does bug me when people vaguely say, oh, the Bible says this. Yeah. I mean, depends on the context. If you're in a conversation with someone and you're kind of blanking on what the verse is, like yeah. I know that you know it says here, like the author of Hebrews, where it says, "As, as it's written somewhere, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, somewhere it says but this." But <laughs> I think, especially if you're giving a sermon, you should have prepared if you want to yeah. say, "Oh, God's word says this in two Timothy three, yeah, or whatever," so that people can, even if they just write it down and look it up later, yeah, rather than yeah, just blindly believing whatever you're told yeah um yeah which i think just coming at whether the gullible women or weak women are mentioned mm. in this verse i think it's, it's talking about in particular people who are more likely to perhaps believe things that they just want to hear yeah in, in that sense which is who the teachers are going after yeah yeah it's people who in some way are vulnerable mm. whether it's things have happened to them and they're sort of taking advantage mm. of them or they're vulnerable in the sense that I know these people just want to be rich and popular or something yeah, and they want the excitement mm. and playing the music and all of that that goes with it. Mm. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of things that can distract us, but I think, you know what you're saying, it's as long as we've got God's word, we pray, we're in a good community, then we're doing the things that we need to to stay mm. on track and to spot Mm. to spot false teachers yeah yeah now a passage like this is a reality check um as you said before like there will be such people like this both sadly in the leadership and also within the congregations but instead of focusing on a future for those who are opposing jesus uh, can you finish our time painting a picture of what the future is going to be like for those of us who follow Jesus. So what are the things that are going to motivate us and keep us passionate about following Jesus? Mm. Um, yeah, like the end of this passage, there's a little bit of a note of hope saying, you know, for, for these men, their folly will be plain to all. Mm. You know, God will reveal how foolish they were in their, their false teaching. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it actually reminds me a bit of a lot of the Psalms kind of mm-hmm. have, you know, they might start off with the author saying, oh, you know, God, I look at the wicked and they're prospering and everything's going well for them and yet me or my family or my people, we're suffering yeah. because we're following you and we're trying to be righteous. We're trying to obey your word. Um, we trust in you, but, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And then there's kind of a, a camera pan or a gear shift yeah. and then you see things from God's perspective where those who are wicked will be judged mm. for their wickedness. Yeah. Um, I mean, the classic picture is you know, Revelation 21 and 22, yeah. where those who are wicked, who deceive, who lie, who steal, are finally and completely condemned, yep. are thrown into the lake of fire, as uh, John sees as he's writing Revelation. Mm. Uh, and God's people are with God yeah. um, in his garden city, which is kind of, heaven's described a bit like a garden, a bit like a city, um, with him, where there's no more lying, where there's no more death, sadness, anything like that, mm. where the things that Paul is warning Timothy against here are done away with. Yeah. 
and you know the truth is finally seen in all its glory as mm. we're face to face with with God and with with Jesus. Um, such a beautiful picture, mm. and I think like we looked at in our last series, being gripped by these eternal realities. Yeah, that's that's where we're headed. That's our home. Yeah. Uh, so we shouldn't be surprised that here on earth there's things that are very different, the opposite of that, because people love themselves rather yeah. than loving God. Yeah. So that's that's where we're headed. That's, you know, when the last days are over, you know, the last because it's the end. Yeah. After the end is heaven. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good picture, isn't it? Like, we're in the last days. Mm. So whenever the last days will be over, we're in the eternal yeah. days, and that's going to be glorious Mm. yeah good things to hold on to absolutely great thanks tim for your time today and for all your effort um in preparing and preaching so faithfully last sunday so thank you for that thank you everyone for listening and mike for recording Uh, this passage in second timothy chapter three has been a good reminder uh, that we must hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ and have God's word open before us when we hear someone preaching and actively loving God and others over ourselves. These are the days where false teachers will be everywhere, so stay alert and stay focused on Jesus. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org.